Good morning and welcome back to the Restore Podcast. I am sitting with American farmer, Lorna Snitker of Snitker Farms. And I'm so excited to do this interview because we see so many people that they're either entrepreneurs or they're in business or they're doing some awesome stuff as like moms and everything. And I always had so many questions. So she does all the operations of their farm. They do, they grow a lot of corn, soybean, and wheat, and they raise cattle, and they have a whole entire cow-calf operation, which I can attest to is phenomenal meat because I have, I think, half a cow or a quarter of a cow. I don't even know how it's big in there, though. And my parents love it, too. Um, they have a big garden, um, and they just love food and farming with people. So is it safe to say you grew into the family business? Very much so. Thank you for very much for having me on, Amanda. Um, yes, I've been doing this since I was little. When I was just two or three years old, I was helping dad, tagging along, feeding bottle calves, or I would be um, scooping the feed down to go out and feed the cows. And when I got just a little bit older, I was riding along with my mom in the combine. She did a lot of the combining when I was little. And so I've been tagging along, along for, a long age, for a long time and uh, really grew into it. So you're just like so much like Dr. Taylor where like he was brainwashed for chiropractic. I'm like, you didn't have a chance because yeah. you just were part of it. And yeah. so it could be really easy to like say like, hey, I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. But it's ingrained. It's I did ingrained. a little tagline. It's ingrained it's, in you. Yes, for sure. I like that. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, so first off, like we're going to have an awesome conversation today about a huge topic that's mm -hmm. going on in the world. Um, it talks about human health versus environmental health. And every single time I talk to her, I'm like asking her probably like the stupidest questions. But I'm like, wait, 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 but tell me about this. I mean, my last one was like, wait a minute, do cows eat dogs? <laughs> but they get better from there. But we're going to have a conversation about GMOs because it is so huge in the public from GMOs, non-GMO, organic, just kind of, you know, as a consumer from the consumer side, you get kind of like so... Um, I would say greenwashed to where, um, have you heard of that term? Greenwashed? Mm -hmm. Like everything needs to be sustainable, everything needs to be green, that's the only way to do it? Kind of like okay. that, but also like it's kind of basically like it's a way companies have masked certain products or certain okay. things in their products. So mm -hmm. you see it even with like cleaning stuff where mm -hmm. they've now said, oh, it's non-toxic or this yeah. is natural, but they'll have like a list of really bad ingredients yeah. that cause a lot of harm. And so as a consumer, you get like kind of pulled of like, well, what do I believe in? And like, what, which kind of way to go? So what you think you're, mean? right. And you mm -hmm. think you're doing good. And then you're like, well, crap, I'm not doing good on this one either. Yeah. Um, so we're going to break it down. And I thought what better than someone who is a professional, she's a farmer and she's like just in it all day long, which is so great. So first off for people that don't know, if we're just from an elementary level, mm -hmm. what is a GMO? So GMO first we should start with, it stands for genetically modified crop. Okay, or genetically modified organism. Let me put that there. So GMO. So let's give an example of a, a GMO. Um, for example, bananas. There's some varieties of bananas that are genetically modified because years ago there was a disease that came through and almost wiped out the entire crop of bananas, like all of them. And if we hadn't of used genetically modified organism technology, GMO technology, we would not be eating bananas for breakfast anymore. That's insane. My mom's probably like dying right now yeah. listening to this because she loves bananas. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm wow, I didn't know that one. Yeah. That's a huge one. Yeah, it's really important. So it didn't alter the taste, didn't alter how healthy it is for you. It just actually saved 
the crop because they are no longer susceptible to the disease. So then what would you say? So what's the difference between non-GMO and GMO? You Mm -hmm. laid this out really, really Mm -hmm. good. And I was like, oh my, my mind was like blown. I had to sit there and like think about it for a minute. Yeah. So um, genetically modified would be something that's had a little bit more um, technology put into it or research or um, they've, they've picked out the genetics and really tracked those. Okay, so if it's not genetically modified, um, that's it's. I would I would argue that's almost a little more of a of a label because how can something have not been improved over the years? Oh, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let's say I grow two crops of corn, one in field A, one in field B. If field A is taller and it's bigger, and I have more corn off of it, then I'm going to want to plant more of that variety, right? That right. type of corn. So, in a way, that's natural selection, oh. which is still genetic modification because you're improving a crop because you picked it because it was better. Gotcha. So That makes so much sense. So, so I, would, I would almost argue that non-GMO is maybe less uh, technology put into it, but it still had to undergo some natural selection because we're all human and we want the best. That makes total sense. So when you're looking at like, so what are um, crops, you just mentioned bananas, Mm -hmm. what are some other crops that you think of that are GMO? Mm -hmm. Or like, is there certain ones that you're like, oh, like people would never guess that it's like this, this, or this? Um, Well, a lot of the things we eat every day have genetic modification, um, whether that would be by natural selection or by an actual modification of the gene, by a scientist going in and modifying one gene on the DNA strand. So mm-hmm. there's two different ways to do that. You know, one, picking it, I see corn um, in, in field A taller, or I would like to for my corn to have less resistance to, or more resistance to a drought or something like that. Okay. Yes. And so just for listeners crops. too, like natural selection, when you say that, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So it's a natural process. In other words, um, I'm, I'm just looking out there and I'm visually deciding I like the taller corn versus the shorter corn. Oh, you know, so you just pick or the taller corn. I like the bigger potatoes versus the smaller potatoes, or maybe I'm making potatoes for a, um, a roast and I'd like the smaller potatoes instead. Well, then I would start making sure I kept back the smaller potatoes to plant next year. Oh, yeah. this makes so much so, sense. So when we have a genetically modified organism, it's just taking that natural selection and speeding it up some. That makes sense. So how does that, how do GMOs then have an impact on our environment? Mm-hmm. If you're just kind of speeding stuff up, is there anything like you have to put into the environment to make that happen or how does that work? I think it's a great thing for our environment. For example, let's say I, I would love to have that taller corn from field A. Mm-hmm. Um, to do that, you know, it's, it's taller, it's producing more leaves, it it's actually has more plant mass. That's a great thing for our environment because that's more photo, photosynthesis happening. That's more oxygen being released back in the air and more carbon being sequestered underneath the ground. That's so huge. Mm-hmm. That's big. And so um, what would you say then are like positives or negatives about using GMO? You just kind of mentioned the positives, mm-hmm. but along with it, it's like there always has to be something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, I can speak from a farmer's perspective that um, the positive parts of using GMOs is, let's say there's a drought and I have a hybrid, which is a type 
or a variety of corn that is more resistant to a drought. So let's say if it gets really dry and your, your yard starts getting a little brown, my corn plant's starting to look orange instead <laughs> <out> of green. <laughs> and we call that firing. So it'll, it'll start um, trying to use up the plant mass to keep it alive. And eventually it will um, start reducing the, the size of ear on the corn and it'll start aborting different kernels. And so it's really important that we were able to hang on longer in those periods in Missouri where there's less than, you know, a couple inches of rain for a whole month or something. Mm-hmm. The corn plant can't hold on very easily. And so um, by using genetically modified corn, it goes ahead and it can, it can uh, span itself out and it can hold on longer during a drought. So you made a really good example of this um, when you were talking about like kind of with sprays or pesticides or herbicides mm-hmm. versus GMO. Mm-hmm. And you made that example of like the worm and, yeah, <laughs> and the thing. Yeah. So like so, tell listeners like, I mean, because it's again, like I didn't realize that if you don't use a GMO, then mm-hmm. you're likely even, I'm assuming even with organic, then you're still getting the sprays and pesticides and herbicides sprayed all over it. So let's kind of back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So there's different types of genetic modification, right? Okay. So one of them, the example I gave was the drought, right? The mm-hmm. drought resistance. We call that artesian corn. Then there's another type, which is BT corn, which, which helps with earworm resistance. Okay? okay. So let's say I've got this little worm crawling up the corn plant, and he comes over and he finds these silks on the ear of corn. And he takes one bite. Well, when he does that, um, there's a a modification in that piece of silk that will go ahead and poke just a little hole in his stomach and then he decides that's not so tasty anymore and he crawls back down the corn plant but it doesn't have anything to do with like the actual Mm-mm. i don't want to say hus but the actual yeah the, what is it the, called the kernels the kernel mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yep so what would happen if if the corn did not have that treat if the worm went ahead and and burrowed on in there he would eat a lot of the silks and the corn would never pollinate so for pollination, the top of the corn plant shakes, those pollens fall down onto the silks that pollinates each individual kernel on the ear. Oh, wow. That's how that happens. I never knew that. Yes. I'm learning so much. Yes. Self-pollination. And so that can't happen if the silks are gone because the worm ate the silks. Got it. But by having the technology in there, the BT technology, then the worm only eats one little piece of silk, decides it's not yummy anymore my corn plant's now healthy and it's, we don't have to spray anything to get rid of the bugs. That's So great. that's less pesticides out there. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so do all like, or like part of that too, how does that affect, like you mentioned how it affects like the crop, which is awesome. How would that affect like human consumption or mm-hmm. like does it? So this is a modification that's present in the silk. It's not um, present in the, the kernel itself. Okay. In other words, um, we don't eat field corn. The, the corn you see as you're driving um, down the highway, we don't eat that corn. That's for cattle consumption. That's what goes in your ethanol and your gas, mm-hmm. those kind of things. And so um, what would happen is the corn that's grown out in the field um, along the highways, that kind of corn, it is harvested. It is um, ground up or made into a, a proper feed source. And then cattle will eat that that's mixed in with a lot of other good ingredients, minerals, vitamins, um, soybean holes, all kinds of things. That makes sense. And so like you see, you know, where people talk about, you know, 
I want grass fed. And mm-hmm. we had that discussion, yeah. I think like a year or two ago yeah. where, and you said, well, not all grass fed is grass fed. Well, and all grass fed, if they've, if they've used the label grass fed, it's going to be grass fed. But my argument is I would rather have a grass fed and grain fed calf, which is the kind of beef you have in your freezer. Mm-hmm. So I think it tastes better. Um, it's, it's a little less, um, a little bit less lean. So it's a little easier to cook. Mm-hmm. And I like feeding my cattle grain because that means there's something for them to eat all year long. <laughs> Makes sense. So the grass isn't growing in December and January, you know, so yeah. I would need to feed them hay, which is a good source of feed. It's just not quite as yummy for them. Yeah. So I like to be able to feed them some chopped up corn because they really like chopped up corn. It makes them happy. Gotcha. Yeah. This is great. And it's really good on our digestive system. Cattle have poor stomachs. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah. And so when you're feeding them corn, like, I'm like, I know what I want to say, but I'm trying to think of how to say it now because I'm like, so that kind of goes into that topic of like kind of what they eat, mm-hmm. we eat then. Yeah. So, yeah. and like, you, is there any negative, um, I guess, impact for like human consumers when they mm-hmm. are eating stuff like mm-hmm. your corn or grains that have now been GMO? I would say absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So everything that we do to our, our corn plant, everything from the time we plan what we're going to plant all the way to the time that it reaches um, the, the, the feeder and for that calf, all the way to the time that's in your freezer, all of that has to be approved, right? Uh-huh. So the Department of Agriculture goes through, and the Food and Drug Administration, all those people have to make sure that this is absolutely safe and there could be absolutely no residual available for you to consume as 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 the person eating the end product. That so makes it's sense. very safe. So would you say like seed companies have an influence on whether or not farmers grow GMO or mm-hmm. any of that? Because so, um, it's like kind of like, well, like, you know, it, it's kind of like sometimes where I feel um, you see a lot of stuff with like FDA mm-hmm. and it's like they regulate this, but not this, but you're like, but this thing isn't even safe for you. Like not even farm wise, but like some stuff. So give me an example. Um, for example... Um, it's a whole big topic right now, but like certain vaccines, you're like, Mm -hmm. some are regulated, you know, Mm -hmm. some are not, but you're like, well, this is like, they're not backing up their products Mm -hmm. because they're not here for like the negative side effects of stuff Mm -hmm. or like FDA doesn't regulate any supplements, Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. like, some of those are really, really great for your body, but Mm -hmm. because it's a supplement, they don't regulate that or they don't want to be a part of some of that stuff. Right. Right. So we primarily have the United States Department of Agriculture, which is made up of farmers and people who are scientists and who study this and who love this and they love food and, mm-hmm. um, you know, biologists and biotechnicians and all kinds of people. This is their thing. Uh-huh. And they're really good at it. And so it's typically a seven-year process before a hybrid can be approved to be planted. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. So by the time they're developing it and they're trying to get it approved and, and make sure it's absolutely the best and the safest and meets all these different criteria mm-hmm. they have um, it, it's a very extensive process before we can plant something so I think that gives a lot of confidence to the yeah. consumer that we're not just willy-nilly out here planting whatever we're making sure that we're we're taking care of our crop and God's green earth to the best of our abilities that's phenomenal I love it um, you touched on um like even like crop and what that looks like. So say like you were planting like a GMO crop Mm -hmm. and can that contaminate neighboring 
non-GMO or organic fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and how does that work? Yeah, sure. So do you remember how I was talking about the corn plant? I always use corn. I, I love know. corn. <laughs> I was like, but what about the soybean? Yeah, no. yeah. Okay, but, okay, but yeah, no, no. Yeah. It's a, well, talk about the corn. It's good. Corn's a good example, though. Um, it could probably happen with soybeans. But um, my example would be, so we've got birds and bees that are pollinators, right? Mm-hmm. So if a bird comes along and it it eats a piece of corn, you know, and that's already been harvested and fell on the ground and then it poops it out in the next field over that could potentially plant a corn plant over there. (laughs) (laughs) But by that time, by the time that any of that can happen, then um, most likely that farm, whether it be organic, non-GMO, something like that, Mm. has probably already harvested their crop as well. So they're going to work the new, the corn plant from my field underneath the ground before they start planting again. So there's, there's possibility. Yes, it could happen, but it would, it would be very few, mm-hmm. if any, and if so, they probably have a way of getting it out of there by working the ground or uh, maybe spraying it, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, like a part, like and you touched on that, like having the GMO crop, mm-hmm. like you, it limits having to spray your fields because mm-hmm. then that's actually harmful to you. Well, it's expensive. A, it's really expensive. We yeah. don't, we don't incentivize anybody to spray because it's super expensive to do that. You know, but what if we do have to spray, which sometimes we do, um, it's, we've made it to where it's very, we start with a very concentrated product, it gets diluted out. So let's say um, we start with like a couple gallons of a product of some sort. And then when we dilute it out, we put like 1200 gallons of water in there. And that's what's sprayed across 40 acres. Oh wow. So if you think about that, you're taking two and a half gallons of a product and you're putting that across 40 acres. One acre is about two football fields. So think of, what is that? 80 football fields? I'm like, fields. oh, I'm not a mathematician. So, so two <laughs> gallons of milk, yeah. right? Yeah. Two gallons of milk across 80 football fields. So you're getting so the least amount that, possible, that's, but That's how much product is actually going on. The leaf, that's not even talking about the actual product yet. Your, your corn, your soybean, your potato, your whatever. That's huge. So for you okay. guys, this <laughs> I mean, I was like, yeah, it makes so much so sense. So we can say spraying. Oh my goodness, this is scary. But let's let's quantify it. Mm-hmm. You know how much is actually going out there? Yeah, you gave a really good example of that in the office where yeah. it was just like, or do we like? Are we concerned with that mm-hmm. they ate the husk? They didn't yeah. even get to the seed, right? Type of thing, which right. I was so interesting. They ate the silk that was not even, you know, directly directly touching the seed. You know, mm-hmm. so are we concerned that a worm ate the silk that is on the same plant as a kernel that a cow is going to eat later on and then you're going to eat the beef? You're never <laughs> even going to eat the kernel or the silk. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. When you put in yeah. such like that micro part, you're like, <laughs> yeah, people, I got bigger problems. Mm-hmm. To deal with. Mm-hmm. I could totally see every farmer. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So when you grew up in your family business, Mm-hmm. How did you guys decide what was going to be? I know the environment probably played a role, mm-hmm. but how do you decide, hey, we're going to take over the soy, wheat, and corn and do some cow? Like, mm-hmm. how do you guys decide which avenue you want to get mm-hmm. into with the area you got? It's a great question. I would say a lot of it has to do with where you're located. So, if you think, um, if you've ever been to Florida on the way, there's a lot more shorter crops there, right? Yeah. There's a lot more fruits and vegetables because they're warm all year round. Mm-hmm. And so same thing in California, they can grow a lot different variety of crops because they have a longer growing season. 
that they makes could sense. plant two types of crops a year, whereas we only have time because of when it's warm, when it's cold, when um, the ground's the right temperature, all these things, that it works best for us in our area to plant corn, soybeans, and wheat. That's mm-hmm. so interesting. And because we have pasture and it's rolling, you know, so we've got a lot of trees, we've got rolling ground, it's not very easy to farm. It doesn't make sense to go out there and work the ground and plant it and harvest it. Just, it's not easy on equipment to do that. Yeah. And so it works really well for cattle. So that's why we could have cattle now too. That blows my mind. Yeah. That is so crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's very just common sense as to what works best for your farm. That is so, mm-hmm. that's so great. What did you say like your goals are ahead of time? I know you're doing an internship mm-hmm. soon with helicopters. Makes yeah. me nervous. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> but what is, what's your, your upcoming goals and like what is your long-term goal mm-hmm. for Snitker Farms? Well, <laughs> The first thing that comes to my mind is to go home to the family farm. That would be my goal. I would, I really want to go home and, and do what my great-grandma started. Um, she bought the farm back in 1948 wow. um, all by herself. and so Which is huge for a woman to oh do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And she, so I come from a long line of stubborn ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and she's passed that on down, and the farm has grown. So um, she started out with 220 acres that she bought. Mm-hmm. My grandpa grew that. He almost doubled it. Wow. You know, and then my dad has, has come back and he's done really well with it too and uh, been able to grow it. So my goal would be to keep growing our family farm so we can keep telling our story. And um, if I can grow my family farm, I'll have enough room, hopefully, enough revenue that I could bring my own kids back to the farm and they could also farm too. That's so awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, I know we've kind of answered a lot of questions. Do you think there's anything that I left out mm. that you want the American <laughs> to know about? Mm-hmm. I would first and foremost say to everyone that there's a lot of noise. If you have a question um, and you go to Google, you're going to get a lot of different answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that it would almost be best if you would ask a farmer instead of asking Google, if you can. Mm-hmm. If you know a farmer or you're more than welcome to reach out to me, we love to answer your question. This is what we love. You know, we care about you so much. And that's why we do this every day. That's why we work 20 hours a day. That's she, why we get up she, you think in the she's exaggerating. And we go take care of that baby calf because if we don't, nobody else will. That's and we're 2%. 2% of everybody you know is a farmer. That's it. That's all there is in the whole world is two percent what breaks down of like in a group of like 10 people it would just be white what like less than one less than one and two people or 10 people yeah that's crazy yeah. so two people out of every hundred is a farmer that's it they're yeah. not that many of us but we really care that's awesome mm-hmm. well thank you so much for being on you've answered a lot of our big questions and yeah i was just thinking and yeah it was a revelation when we were mm-hmm. like i was adjusting you and i was like mm-hmm why the heck have I not asked her to be on this podcast? I'm like, yeah, have her answer all these questions. Yeah. Um, because my neighbor, he's a geneticist mm-hmm. and um, works with all crop yeah. in Jeff City and I think somewhere around here in the Department of Ag. Uh-huh. So he was like trying to explain it, but his brain's like up here and I'm over yeah. here. I'm like, I need you to break it down to where <laughs> the general person yeah. can understand this right, right now. Right. Um, but thank you for being on, taking your time, and you are so busy, but um, we just... We love having you, well, and we're you. just grateful for yeah. all you guys do for the U.S. of A. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Dr. Amanda. You're welcome. Appreciate it.